Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I just want to read from verse 10 and on, just a few verses here, and I'll, and I'll, I'll start um, with a prayer, and then we'll get right into the message. As, as you are just sitting, sitting in your seat there, verse 10, it says this, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig with thou, <clears throat> which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth, out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord is thy God, a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. I call your attention to verse number 12, from where the message is brought forth this evening, where God says, <clears throat> then beware, beware. This was not just any idle warning. If ignored, they would be destroyed, as we just read in verse 15. Hebrews 10.31, we know to say, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. This was more like a promise to his people, an admonition, a vital and urgent warning. Much had been invested into them. And for them to simply forget all that was done for them, God said to them, beware, beware. I like to pray on that subject this evening, just a simple title, Beware. Father, please bless tonight's message. Help me to communicate properly in the English language this, my thoughts and what you put in my heart to share with this precious, dear church family that I love so much. Father, please uh, help no one to doubt that tonight, this evening, we have been in your presence and you've spoken to our hearts. Father, I, I believe with my heart that not a one of us has come to church tonight just because we had nothing else to do. We've all come in search of your word and for you to speak to us. Please, Father, in your special way, in the way that only you can do so, speak to each family, each couple, each person, each individual here tonight. Be glorified. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to know that we have been in your presence. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for Pastor Wilkerson and his leadership. And thank you, Father, for what you've done here at First Baptist through so many years. Help us, Father, tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, warning signs are part of our society. They're all over the place, uh, all around us. We look for them. We heed them. Uh, sometimes they, they bother us somewhat. And, and you know, but they, they are important nonetheless and part of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's unavoidable. If we walk into a store and, and it's, you know, they're mopping, we look for the warning signs just in case it's slippery. Or if we're going through a, a, a road that seems to be under construction, we'll look for some warning signs. We'll, 
If we've been to the place or we're going through a, a, a building or a, a room that we're not aware of exactly what's been going on there, we look for these signs because we want to be careful. We, 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 it's part of our, our, you know, we look for instructions. We, we look for manuals. We, we try to find out what's expected of us so we can avoid getting hurt or making mistakes in life. Uh, I remember an illustration I, I heard a while back ago, several years ago, with this family that went on to a safari trip. And, um, you know, you get to go through your vehicle. I, I, I've, I've never been through one. I have seen them on TV and, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, if you, you know, <clears throat> you ever been through a safari, it's, it's, I've seen that it's pretty interesting. You get through a vehicle, you see the animals up close and, you know, and personal. And, so, and hopefully if you get lucky, you know, you get to see, uh, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. So, you get to go through these safaris, right? And, and, and it's pretty fun. I mean, I think the closest thing I've been to is in Disneyland. You know, I went to the safari there and, and, and you know, got to see some giraffes and so on and so forth. But, but it's interesting that this particular illustration that I heard many years ago, that, that, that um, <clears throat> before you ever get to the park, before you ever get to the entrance of this safari, there's rules all everywhere you go. Um, as soon as you get into the property or go into the property, there's... There's a big sign at the entrance that simply states three rules. As you go deeper into towards the entrance of the parking before you, you, you go and pay at the booth, there's other signs all along the fence as you approach the entrance of the safari park, and there's the same three simple rules. And as you get closer into the safari, as you get to the booth, uh, right on top of the booth where they're going to you know, charge you and you're going to enter and there's a huge, the biggest sign everywhere, it's huge, and it's got the three simple rules on top of that booth. And, and then the person that, you know, charges you, gives you a pamphlet that states the three simple rules. And then he gives you something you're supposed to put on top of, you know, in your car that in front of you that has the three simple rules. And then he makes you repeat the simple three rules. He asks you if you understand them, and he makes you repeat them and say them. And then once he has seen everybody in the family repeat these three rules, then he says, okay, now you're ready to enter. And still before you go into the safari, he still says, now mind you that there are the three simple rules all through the park. Do not forget these three simple rules. And these three simple rules were very simple. They're just very simple. Number one, it was do not lower your windows. No matter what, do not lower your windows. The second rule is very simple, do not feed the animals. No matter what, do not feed the animals. The third rule was even more simple. It was just simply obey rule number one and rule number two. And that was it. Throughout the whole park, these were the three rules. You can see them everywhere. I mean, in the pamphlet, in the car, everywhere. You had to say it. You had to, rem you had to repeat it. And everybody in the family, including grandma, she had to say it because... It was just part of the rules. You had to say it before you went in. Well, a particular family went into the safari, and sure enough, you know, the time passed, and you can take quite a bit as you go to the safari park. You know, time flies as you're having fun and waiting for these animals to come up, and sure enough, <clears throat> someone decided to switch drivers. And the wife got up, and she said, I can do this pretty quickly, and she got out of the car in a place where she thought it was pretty safe, and there was nobody around, and... They looked around and were careful, and they double-checked. They even honked a little bit, and they saw that nothing was coming out. And uh, 
And sure enough, they said, maybe I can come around, and, and she got out of the car. And just then, what she didn't know, what that family didn't know, is that the, little, the children in the back seat were, were you know, bringing down the window just a little bit and putting out pieces of bread, feeding the animal, because they felt compassion over them. They thought they were starving. And sure enough, they were, but, but nonetheless, they throwing out the pieces of bread. And so this had attracted some animals. So when she walked out of the vehicle, she went around, and when she got to the driver's seat, sure enough, the driver, the driver door opened, and the husband took his time to get out. And she, as she was waiting for him to get out, a lion comes and grabs hold of her and drags her away from the car. The husband jumps out of the car and... And, 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 and goes to chasing her, and, and, and you don't see the wife or the husband no longer in, in the footage, in the, in the cameras that are, are recording these, this terrible event. And you see the children in the car screaming and yelling, and uh, I guess the grandmother was in the car, and she gets out of the vehicle, doesn't know whether to run or not, and, and jumps back in the car and closes the door. And uh, what a terrible story. Both died. And you think about how in the world that would happen when it was just very simply stated. It, they read the three rules and, you know, the children repeated the rules. They said it. They, they understood it. They read it. They had the pamphlet. They had it in the car. They read the signs everywhere they looked. They, they knew they weren't supposed to put down the window and they knew that they weren't supposed to feed the animals and obviously by no means open the car and get out in a safari. But yet every rule in that three simple rules were broken and because they were ignored and maybe just figured that that's not going to happen to us. You know, I, you know, I get the rules, but sometimes we're just a little overcautious with the rules and I understand that, you know, it's just safety. It's probably the insurance company that makes them put those insurance, you know, those rules. And let's not over-exaggerate. Nothing's going to happen to me. And I find that so many times we are so alike to that, like to that family. See, when, when God chooses to use this word with his people and he says, beware, he wasn't using it lightly casually or half-heartedly. He, it was an imperative. It was, everything was depending on this statement. You see, these people, now we're in Deuteronomy, the, the, God is giving the law the, for the second time, and that means there was a generation that was lost, and that means that there was a time where they were disobedient and they weren't ready for the law of God, and, and there were cons consequences suffered because of it. And this time, almost as to God wants to make sure that they get it right, and he deals with matters a lot more um, uh, precise. He takes his time and he, he confronts them and he talks to them about what he expects from them and what to be careful with. And he addresses the family. And chapter number six is where we're reading. And he, he makes sure that they understand what they're about to get into. Paul expressed the same imperative to uh, the young Timothy, uh, his young preacher boy, when, when, he, when he feared for him uh, as, as there was uh, danger all around him in his ministry. And he wanted his young uh, you know, student to finish his race, his course the right way, and to fight the good fight as well. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he tells him, take heed unto thyself. 
There is a danger that lies ahead, Timothy. Take heed. As Christians, there, there are dangers that lie ahead of us. We have an enemy that, that the Bible warns us about. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And our, our flesh, our old nature that dwells within us can destroy our lives, our homes, our dreams, our happiness in Christ which we seek because that is also an enemy that, that lies ahead of us. This world, anti-God, perverted in every which way, wicked, will ruin our faith. And we know this, we understand this, we, because we understand the word of God and, and we've been preached so many messages and we've seen the casualties, we've seen the illustrations that have broken our hearts, we've seen the terrible news and we've heard, I'm sorry, we've heard the terrible news from way yonder of so and so and that one ministry and that one leader and we've even experienced the personal experiences of the, of the terrible sting of sin and what it causes and how many people it hurts, yet... So many times you and I are so lenient with those three simple rules. God knew that there were enemies all around them, and they're worse enemies. They're the enemies that would destroy his people. We're not the Moabites or the Ammonites. He wasn't worried so much about them. He was with them, and there was nobody to stand against them. You see, their biggest foe, their greatest enemy was not the enemies of the people. It wasn't them. It was themselves. There was too much at stake. Too many had been lost already in the desert. Too much blood had been shed. Too many broken hearts. He implores them to simply beware. Now, the next three warnings should be engraved in, within our hearts uh, and that God uh, as g- gave his children in this passage that I find. The simple three warnings that he gives his people, and I, I hope you can see it with me tonight uh, as, uh, as we, uh, we see God try to warn his people, try to give them the necessary advantage that they'll need because ultimately, as much as God wants to bless them and he... <laughs> does want to bless them and he wanted to take him to the promised land and he he did everything he could on his part to 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 liberate them from egypt and and he 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 fought that battle between moses and and pharaoh and he did everything and he showed himself great and powerful he manifested himself providing for his children he protected them at night and during the day and he did so much so much was invested into them for them not to now to drop the ball for them now to 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 fumble the ball and and to commit the terrible consequences and sins again that would cost them everything, he just simply says, beware. And I'd like for you to think tonight and on, this, on this simple message this evening and take it personal to heart because there's not a one of us that is the exception tonight. I don't care how long we've been in the ministry. I don't care how, long, how much we know of the Bible. I don't care how much we recite the whole word of God by memory, how, much we, how long we've been in the church, how much we know, how much we've experienced. How, how, I don't care who we are tonight. There is no one that is an exception. Every one of us can fall. Every one of us can lie, uh, that can, before we know it, have the devil right on top of us, bringing our family to the shreds, destroying our children, destroying our possibilities of, of serving the Lord, of finishing our race, because 
because that's who the devil is. He lies and he waits for that opportunity and he sees our mistakes and he's watching us how easily we, we do what we do and we think that nothing's going to happen to me. I can play with that little music. I can play with those friends. I can, I can play in that office. I, I can do this. I can do that. And we don't realize that we're playing with an enemy that is not playing with us. So I'd like for you to think of your heart. Instead of listening uh, so much as to what I'm trying to preach to you or, or maybe how I'm preaching to you because I'm doing a terrible job about it and my language is terrible, my English. I, I just came from speaking Spanish from over there and that's all I do all day except when I, I have to, you know, talk to Brother Moffat maybe or I don't know or listen to sports news. I, I don't know, but the point is, is that I'm having a difficult time trying to communicate. My thoughts are in Spanish. So as I think, I have to translate it over to you in English. I don't know how you guys are going to do it in heaven. <laughs> Just a joke. I'd like for you to think of these three rules that God gives his people. The first one I find in verse number 12, if you would. Verse number 12, uh, starting in verse number 10. He says very clearly, listen to his words. It says, and it shall be when, thou, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers. He says that the Lord thy God brought thee, that he swore unto the father, the, to Abraham, to Isaac, and, and to Jacob, to give thee great and godly cities which thou buildest, what? Not. And houses full of good things which thou Fillest not, and well, well digs which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. And he says, Beware lest ye forget. The first rule I see in Christian life, and if we're to make this uh, journey and we're to be uh, faithful and, and end this journey properly, we're, we need to beware never to forget that God is good. We need to never forget that God is good. Notice in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says clearly, verse 19, and it shall be, if thou do at uh, all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. This is, do not forget thy Lord thy God. Don't forget what he did for you. Notice in chapter 11, verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16, the Bible says in verse 16, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Don't forget, never forget that God is good. Adam and Eve forgot that God had been good to them. The devil successfully waited in the bushes for that opportunity to, to, to just, for that lax Christianity, for that, for that subtle moment, that moment of un, unexpected uh, opportunity that, that would come to the devil. And he says to Eve, you, you, you believe that God has been fair to you? You think that God, you know, he's, held, he, he, he's holding back on you. There's one thing that you need that you don't have. And he convinced Eve to desire that one thing that God did not give him. Basically, Basically, he convinced her that God had not been good with her in her life and Adam's. The children of Israel that came out of Egypt forgot that God was good when they murmured and complained against Moses. Lot and his wife forgot that God had been good in their lives when they lost everything and he lost his wife. Achan lost everything because he forgot that God was good and he coveted that which what he shouldn't have coveted. He forgot that God would supply his needs. King David forgot that God was good and he took the woman that wasn't his and he killed another man and, and all that he did and he destroyed a family because when Samuel came to him, I'm sorry, when Nathan came to him and told him, if, if you only would have asked for more, God would have given you more. 
God has always and will always be good. Beware, never forget it. Where he brought us out from, how he changed our lives, what he has done for you and me. His mercy endureth forever, the Bible says. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, the Bible says. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, the Bible declares, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You see, the number one rule that you should never forget because it will leave you astray. It will bitter your heart. It will, it will, it will, uh, uh, it will, it will deceive your heart. It will deceive your, your vision. It will not help you see clearly. It will change your perspective. It will change your desires when you forget how God has been good in your life. Yes, we go through trials. Yes, we go through difficulties. Yes, sometimes we fall on our face, but God never, never has stopped being good in our lives. Number one rule, don't ever forget. Beware. Don't ever forget that God is good. Say it clearly. Repeat it. Make sure your children say it. Make sure it's all over your walls at home, ladies. Put it in verses. Put it everywhere because there'll come times when it won't feel like maybe God is so good, but that's the opportunity the devil's waiting for just to jump in and he'll catch you on your worst day when you were complaining, when you were contemplating that one sin when you were contemplating that one left turn, when you were contemplating that one phone call, when you were contemplating leaving or quitting. Beware. Never forget that God is good. The second rule, I find it in verse 13. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you with me tonight? Verse 13, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Verse 12 says that beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you for thy, the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. The second rule that you must never, never forget. Beware never to put God in second place. Beware never to put God in second place. Are you listening to me, church family? Our God is a jealous God. The Bible just declared it. His desire, and, and, and he, des he, he desires it, and he deserves first place in our lives, in our hearts, in our homes, in our plans, in our finances, in our closets, in our vacations, in our time, in our music, in our everything. He deserves first place in our life. It is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, that God declares to his people, he says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, please, if you would. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians, so much easier in Spanish, Colossenses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, who is who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, where, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead and that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that him shall have, should all fullness dwell. It says it pleased the Father. We should never take God off the throne in our hearts. 
He should be the king in our lives. He should know that he is number one in my life, in my marriage, in my words, in my, in my, in my actions, in my, in my day to day, in my service, in my strength, in my health. God is number one. Don't ever put God number two in your life. His words should govern our actions, our opinions, our convictions. We should not be swayed by others' opinions, by others' experiences, by others' knowledge. We should be governed only as our final authority in faith and practice, the word of God. Because God has given us the directions. God has given us his warnings. God has urgently told us what will happen to us. Not only have we read about it and we've seen it and we should take heed to it, but we have seen it in our own lives of those that have ignored the, 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 the rules, have ignored the, the convictions, have ignored the principles of the word of God. And you and I are not the exception. Beware to never put God in second place. How so easy that happens. So easily we, we put God in second place. If we have a fight at home, we argue, or maybe aren't having the best Sunday morning, we decide, well, why go to church? If we're like this, let's just put God on the shelf and we'll just wait for next Sunday to come. That's putting God in shelf. And number two, well, yeah, we want to go to church, but, but you know, I, I just, we want to do this and we want to do that. And this is important too, but not to the point where you put God in number two. When we don't honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings, with the first fruits of the blessings that he's given us, we're putting God in number two. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is this. When God uses the word beware, it's not just something, another, another preaching, another just another truth that we're sharing. God is calling attention to his people. And he uses the word beware. There's danger. And if you follow these rules I'm going to give you, you're going to stand a chance. You'll be okay. Number one, beware never to forget that God is good. Don't complain. Don't get bitter on God. Don't get a sour face and don't, don't whine and don't come. You know, see, a lot of Christians, we backslide and we stop doing the right thing in our life. We stop doing what's supposed to be done. A lot of homes are broken. A lot of families are destroyed. When a Christian forgets that God is good, we start looking at our house and we're like, man, this house is not even the prettiest on the block. Man, I don't know. This car barely got us to church. I wish I had a better car. This wife, I'm <laughs> just kidding. And that's how we fall gradually into the hands of the devil. How many of us came tonight saying, I don't know, this house, man, it's too many plop. I mean, the air conditioner goes out all the time and it's just... I don't know, I've told my husband hundreds of times, and it just, and it just seems like we're just always complaining and complaining. That's exactly where the devil wants us. Beware never to put God in second place. Not in any way, shape, or form. When you get dressed, ladies, you should get dressed putting God number one in your life. Not yourself. It's not about what you want. It's not about how you want to dress, what makes you feel happy. It's about what makes and honors God because I'm putting him number one in my life. 
when you turn on your music in your car. It's about what God putting him number one, not what I want to hear, not what makes me feel happy. It's just the oldies, you know, let's just listen a little bit of Elvis and why not? No, it's about honoring God. It's about putting him number one in everything we do, even when no one's around us. You see, that family thought no one was around them. They thought, man, look at it. It just seems safe right now. I mean, there's no animals around. And I mean, I know the rules and they're all over the place. We do have the pamphlets. And... But it just took one lady to say, eh, it'll be okay. Went around the car. And just for a second, waited there. And that's all it took. You see, it wasn't the fact that she was standing there, and it wasn't the fact that, that she, she was vulnerable and that the lion was there and, and that they have you know, claws, and, and oh, if it would have been that, you know, that somebody was there and killed him. You see, we, we look for all these reasons and people to blame. The fact of the matter is, who was to blame was the family that ignored the rules. They're the ones that decided to, to bypass the rules. They, no one forced them to open the door. No one obligated the children to put down the windows. The parents weren't supervising the children. They weren't making sure that they were obeying the rules. They just thought, hey, who cares? Okay, the rules, but let them decide. I don't want to offend my children. I don't want them to, to feel like they're being pressured to live a Christian life. I, I just want them to enjoy their life. And then the devil comes and destroys mom and dad. Maybe uh, destroys uh, the, the, the children, somebody in the family. And it's, it's the consequences the, the entire family has to pay. Because they just simply thought that they were above the rules. That it didn't matter so much. It's an exaggeration of those, of those preachers. Man, they just... The last point, the last rule. Is beware never to tempt the Lord thy God. He says it in verse 16 very clearly. He says, ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massah. Our, our Savior declared it to the devil when he was tempted by him. In Matthew chapter 4, when he told him that he should not tempt the Lord thy God. God had promised the blessings to them for, 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 for their nation. He would bless them and he loved them. He had showed his faithfulness to them. And in him, they would never want. In him, they, they would never have to meet again. All they had to do is just follow his rules. It's just choose to do right. Notice with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 30, quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. The Bible says there in verse 19, 30, 19, the Bible says this. It says, uh, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. You see, it's our choice. It's our choice. Too many of us want his blessings in our lives, but do not want to live as he chooses for us to live. God's instructions are clear. And thou shall not do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. And thou shalt do, I'm sorry, thou, that which is right and, the good, and, the good, and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in the, and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. He very clearly said, 
and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. And then in verse 24, in chapter number 6, Deuteronomy, he says, for our good always. You see, God intends for us to obey, but there's always blessings when we obey. Micah 6, 8, the Bible says, he hath shown thee. I like that. He says, he has shown thee. There's that warning sign. There's that, that rule, that, that clear beware. He, he has shown thee, O oh man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Very simple tonight. There was three rules that we cannot forget. Rule number one, would you say it with me? We forgot already. Wow. Rule number one, keep your windows up. Rule number two, don't feed the animals. And rule number three, obey rule number one and rule number two. You see, if you think about what I just shared with you and you put that and apply it to this, rule number one, God says, don't ever forget that God is good. There's no need to lower the window and look out. God has given you everything you need. Rule number two, very simply, do not feed the animals. Don't feed the animals. They might look hungry. They might look cute. But don't feed the animals. You see, his instructions were very clear. He said, don't ever put God number two. Don't ever be moved or led by your emotions or your feelings and be misled from honoring God and doing what's right before him. And number three, obey rule number one and two. Don't tempt your God. Don't mess around with rule number one and rule number two. Because he said in verse number 15, you shall be destroyed. Do you understand that? I, I desire for my family and for my children and for my grandchildren. I know I don't look like a grandfather. I look like I just got married. But I desire for my grandchildren to have the blessings of God. And that is something I cannot give them, Brother Muffin. Do you understand that? I can't fabricate that. That has to come from God. And based on how I live and follow these rules will determine if God blesses them or not. It's my choice. It's your choice. Well, you can either do one or two things today. Dismiss the signs and the rules all over your life that been, God's been showing you. And dismiss and say, well, look, this Mexican, what's he going to teach me? I'm playing. And just dismiss the message and say, eh, just another message. Or you can slow down and start thinking of all the times that God has shown you in your life, all the signs that he's given you, that attitude, 
that thing that's, something's happening in your life. That one daughter, that one son that's acting not themselves. That problem that's developing, that whole situation over here, and that sign and this sign and that sign. And God's trying to call your attention saying, beware, beware. There's too much at stake, beware. As you go along life's road, dropping your window, doing what you feel is best to do, ignoring rule one and rule two. Would God help us? Would God help us to listen to his rules? Father, please bless tonight's message.